Blog Talk Radio.
So if America outlawed the importation of enslaved Africans in 1808, how is America the most place from 1808 to 1865? You know how? They moved from an importation system to a slave system. And so from 1808 to 1865, the way they got those slaves was by slave houses. Who do you call? They get one black man, a dozen of black women, and his job was to keep them pregnant, get around, as soon as she dropped the baby. Then her womb was able to take another. His job was to keep her pregnant. Then the whole purpose of the slave reform was to do what? Make sure the white power structure had enough slaves to fulfill the economic objectives of the system. Well, guess what? Many of your homes are slave breeding farms right now. Some of you are breeding slaves for the Christmas. Some of you are breeding slaves for special ed. Some of you are breeding slaves for psychiatric medication. I'm trying to understand why so many black boys in the state of Maryland are diagnosed with counter I'm trying to understand why so many black boys in the state of Maryland are diagnosed with oppositional defiance disorder, intermittent explosive disorder, emotional disturbance. Why is it? So many black boys in this thing. This is Adderall, concern, medicine, in the list of in the list of The same drug that sent his father to jail. You can give it to him so he can sit still to learn long enough about Helen Keller and Frank and Christopher Columbus. Something's wrong. Black boys don't need drugs to learn. The black boy can learn as well as any other child. He don't need a special school. He don't need a special curriculum. The problem with the black boy is he's treated in a special way. Don't focus on him. Focus on the way the school treats him. Don't focus on him. Focus on the way the white teachers treat him. Don't focus on him. Focus on the way the superintendent and the school board treat him. Nothing's wrong with the black boy. The problem is in the way people engage our country. And then they convince us that something's wrong with him, and many of you buy into that nonsense. I am so disgusted at how easy public and charter schools can make you liberal sign your name so your child can get a misdiagnosis. I'm so disgusted at how easy it is to get a black mother or father to put your child on crack cocaine called Adderall, crack cocaine called Ritalin, crack cocaine called Concerta. The drug can give your child a little different than the ones you sell on street corners. The drug endorsement agency of America qualifies Ritalin as a specialty drug. Ritalin is just as dangerous as opium and heroin. And you give it to your son three times a day. Don't speak to the school you go to. I'm trying to understand. Frederick Douglass escaped from slavery to freedom from this state. Harriet Tubman escaped from slavery to freedom in this state. Kimmy Howard Garnett, one of the grandfathers of Pan-Africanism, escaped from slavery and freedom in his state. Told himself how to read. Frederick Douglass told himself how to read. Harriet Tubman was too busy. I don't think she ever learned how. But help me understand how we come from ancestors. Who the lost their life learning how to read. But yet they learned English. But yet you're talking about books, laptops, cell phones, computers, and he needs special help in order to learn. Uh-uh. His ass is late. But if it was up to me, we would diagnose children. We diagnose the parents. He's not reading the table. His brother and father is reading the table. He ain't ADHD. His brother's father is ADHD. 
So let me give you a couple of rules you need to use in the schools. Rule number one, if your child is nine years old or younger, you better think twice before you give them permission for any type of sex. I don't ever want to see a five-year-old reading the same child. I don't ever want to see another six-year-old math the same child. I don't want to see another seven-year-old intellectually disabled child. How can you determine that a five, six, or seven-year-old is reading the same or intellectually disabled when they haven't even done developing intellectually yet? But the reason the school wants you to put them in special ed, they want to get that money. They want that money. Special ed is a business. Special ed is a bank. Special ed is a hustle of making money off black kids. Parents don't care enough to make them learn themselves. I'll give you the fact of the situation. And the charter schools ain't too much better. Some of the charter schools are worse than the public ones you have. Because charter schools are more dependent on special ed money because they don't get all the extra incentive dollars that the public schools get. Stop giving them evaluate. Go get a tutor. If your son has trouble reading, give him a tutor. Your daughter has trouble with her arithmetic, give her a tutor. But when you put him in special ed, you now give the system permission to intentionally miseducate your It is an academic holocaust. Black children are suffering from an academic holocaust. But sure don't make it so bad. I can't put them in special ed unless you sign your name four times. You need to sign your name four times before that child got put in special ed. You sign the evaluation provision for me, the school psychologist who evaluated that. Signature number one. Signature number two, you had to sign that you agreed with my psychological evaluation. Signature number three, you had to sign the IEP incarceration preparation program. Nice. And then signature number four, you had to sign the special ed service. So I don't ever want to hear a black parent in America talk about Dr. Umar. They said my child was special ed. They said my child was reading the They said she was ADHD. They said she needs medication. Don't tell me what they said. Tell me what you did. Because without your signature, there ain't no test. Without your signature, there ain't no IEP. Without your signature, there's no special education at all. How many of you have a reading hour in your home at night, every night, where everything gets turned off and the brain gets turned on and there's a book in your hand? I can't remember the last time I went to a black house and they had a book show. Social media is the worst thing to happen to black children. I thought the video games were bad. I thought the video games were bad. Social media is worse than the video games. Because they never get off. Even when you put them to bed, they still when they home. And because some of you forgot that your child was to be a parent instead of a friend, you want yourself to be a life by your child because you're raising your child. My single black mother, I love you to death. I applaud all of you because you've been raising 70% of our children on your own with almost no help from the community, and you've been doing it for about 50 years. And I thank you for it. But some of you need to do a little better job. Because I'm seeing a lot of black mothers raise their daughters for love on their sons. Mm. Your daughter got discipline, your son has your son. Your son is not your metaphorical husband. If you're missing a mate, go find one, but don't turn him into the man you need to support yourself emotionally. This job is a good child. That's all. I'm not talking sex. I'm talking the psychosocial decision that a lot of black mothers have. How can you hold him accountable? Because he's too busy holding you Raise the sons to stop love. What is the number one job of a black parent? The number one job of a black parent is to teach your child 
Everybody, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Truth Tuesday with your host, Akeem. Here on Hindsight Radio, the information station changing the nation. Oh, uh, let me turn this one. A little bit. Can y'all, am I coming through clear? Am I coming through? Can y'all, can y'all hear me clearly out there? Got to make sure everything's legit in <clears throat> the sound. Text me. Oh, somebody! I heard a text. What I did? Let's see. Yeah. Yeah. They said yes. These glasses—they're a little dusty. Um, as you know, Doctor Umar Johnson is coming on. Uh, later on, 
Uh, he's going to get on about 9.15, so I got on a little bit early to kind of give an introduction. I need to turn this music down. Um, so he's going to be on. talking. We're going to talk about education, mostly. That's, that's what I want to talk about, his book. Psychoacademic Holocaust. He wrote a book on education, and that's the book there. I've had this book, shoot, for I had it since he 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 signed it. You can see it there. He signed it uh, October the twelfth, twenty fourteen. I pulled the book out. <laughs> It looked at that date, and today is October the 11th. It's almost the anniversary of when he signed this book. So to me, that's what you call divine intervention, because I just was inspired last week to contact him. I've had his number for years. I've actually talked to him on the phone about um, my um, my um, son was when he was in uh, middle school, junior high school, they tried to do that ADHD crap on him. And um, and that, that made me look at some other avenues of getting some results. And, of course, it was some woman who wasn't a psychologist, and she was studying, and they get asked all these questions and asking just – Oh, based on these parameters, he does fit this criteria, blah, blah, blah. I talked to him, and he, he broke it down to me what was going on. Uh, I bought his book. So I paid for a consultation, and I bought his book. Um, and I did uh, send a donation to his uh, for his school as well. I did that as well. You know, This happened so many years ago, I forgot about that. Um. I actually met him in person at an event in, I think it was Hemingway, South Carolina. I was one of the vendors there at the event. And uh, we actually took a picture. Actually, if you look at uh, one of my intros, you'll see a picture with me and my son, Xavier. We we took a picture with him. Good brother. Uh, I liked his, uh, his, his seminar. And to address, let me, let me address something too. Someone said, Maxim Moore said, <laughs> I'll put it up here. I'll put it up here. Good evening to all the successful family friends on, on Brother Akeem, but why Umar Johnson? Why not? You had a problem with it? Why not? Because, I mean, yes, there has been some negative publicity in the media about him. Mostly the the talk comes from our people who have attacked him. And but isn't that that's not unusual for someone who is trying to start a school for uh black males. I don't think that's un that, that I don't that comes with the territory. <laughs> Whenever someone in our community tries to do something big like that, you're going to find people who try to talk negative. And also, let me make, y'all, make it very clear. 
right now. Let me make it very clear right now. Y'all know I don't tolerate uh, talking about people or, or talking negatively about people on my show. You know I don't do that, right? People have talked negative about me plenty of times, had everything you said, but I never got on my show and use it as a platform to spew my dislike about people. So we don't do that. You may not agree with what he's saying. You may believe some of the nonsense that have been, have people have talked, said in, out there, but you're talking to someone who's actually stood in front of this brother and talked to him. I can't go off of what hearsay, stuff I have not been a party to of, and, and say what's true or what, what isn't true. And it, the purpose of him coming on is not for me to figure out what all that's about. That's, that's for him to take care of. I don't need to know all of that stuff. All I need to know is, okay, about the school, how do we move forward, and how can we assist? See, instead of looking ways to bring people down, how about, how about we find ways to bring people up, help people? How about that? Because people are very fast to jump on a bandwagon to talk negative or think negative about someone, but they're not quick to open up their wallet or give up their time to help people. Because you never know what people are going through. You can imagine it. Someone who's trying to take on something like that, talk about something like that, you can imagine the amount of difficulty that he would get. You know, first of all, he uh, – wanted to start a school. I remember when he mentioned it at the uh, seminar I went to. He talked about it. It had it was an idea at the time. It was it was a goal. That's not I wouldn't it was an idea and goal. Aspiration at the time. Now he has the building. He's he's got it. Now I'm not clear whether he started doing class and we'll find that out tonight. But all of the money came from donations, people helping him, people who believed in him. You know, people, you know, some people are going to believe in you, some people are not, just like with me. Some people believe in me, some people don't. Some people disagree with me, but I don't have a problem. Hey, you could have your disagreement, but don't be disrespectful about it. Okay? Sometimes if you, before you draw an opinion on anybody, I don't care who it is, if your opinion is based on what you saw on television or what someone else says, then you have a faulty opinion. It's not, it's not a full-fledged opinion. It's not a good opinion because you didn't get opinion off of your own experience with someone. And I try my best not to draw conclusions against anyone if I have never sat down and talked with them. Like, for instance, you know, people have opinion about Trump. People have opinion about Biden. They have all these opinions, right? But how can I say who, what these people really like unless I've met them for myself and talked to them and got an indication that something wasn't right? How do I know? I don't know. But if we started to, to, to promote parity, not just in money, but prosperity and thought, and and put that out to our fellow brothers and sisters, 
I can guarantee you a lot of the issues that we have now will go away. One of the reasons why we have a lot of issues because people are more in tune with trying to find a problem than they are trying to find a solution. I'll tell you this, right now in this day and age, he's the only brother I know that's talking about opening up a school publicly and, and has moved forward and bought a building to even cater to young black males. I don't know anybody else. I could be missing something, but I don't know anybody else that's talking like that and actually working towards that goal and doing that. So even myself is guilty to say, hey, we need to educate our own children. We need to do our own thing, but I haven't moved forward into doing anything for young children. He has. A lot of people, other people, oh, we need to do this, we need to do that. But... Most people don't move forward and actually do it. They just say, that's what we need, and that's it. That's as far as it goes. I'm hoping that after this conversation with this brother tonight, that maybe we can talk about helping him move forward in that goal. Despite some things you might disagree with or things I might disagree that he might have said in the past, of you know, Listen, there is no working relationship that you're ever going to have that you totally agree with the other person. But what you can agree on is a common goal. Do we need to properly educate our children outside of the current system that is in place now, the compulsory education system that we have, that's in place now? Do we need that? Can it, can we, I think we all can agree that we need something different for our children because compulsory education and integration into that system have not served us well. Number one, you, you guys hear me say it all the time. It has taught and promoted us to be slaves. The, the regular public school system has taught and promoted everyone to be a slave. It, when you go there, it doesn't talk to you about becoming a stockbroker <laughs> or, or being Financial, working towards a financial independency where you have your own job, your own business, creating your own wealth for yourself. Schools doesn't talk like that. It tells, it teaches you how to do what the teacher is doing. Get a job. The teacher's job is to indoctrinate you into the system of how they want you to learn. That's her job or his job, whatever you, whoever you want to call it. That whole system job is for that. I think people need to stop saying that the school system is broken. It's not broken, y'all. It's doing its job. It's the job of miseducating people. Educating you to a point of view, to a accepting a lifestyle of constant servitude. That's what it's there for. And for us people of color, it's there to design is specifically designed to disenfranchise us. They have you taking all these crazy tests. Most of the stuff you learn in school, these schools doesn't you're not going to use in your everyday life. It's not gonna teach you how to balance your checkbook. 
It's not going to teach you how to manage your household. It's not going to teach you how to create a business so that you can make money for yourself. It's not going to teach you any of those things. It's not going to even teach you common sense because a lot of stuff they do in schools don't aren't don't lack common sense. So, like when I was on my Instagram, when I first posted the the, the flyer for him to come on, someone got on and started calling a brother name. And I was like, uh-uh, we, I don't do that on my page. We don't talk. We don't call people names on my page. Okay, you don't like them. Okay, you're entitled to that. But you're not entitled to insult people because you don't like them. Not on my page. You can do it on your page or whatever. And I would do that for anybody else that you want to. We, we, see, one of our biggest issues as a community, as a people, is we are very good at TNT each other down and getting into the going back and forth or backbiting. We get that you this, you said this, you did that, and, and, and you look at this, and they show all the negativity. I think we have enough footage, enough audio, enough situations. I think we already have enough of that throughout history where we are being shown in the negative light. We don't have to add to it. We don't have to if. If someone did something, maybe they did do something negative. But it's not our job to, to, to keep prophesying that or not prophesying or publicizing that over and over again. Where do you see that in other communities where they, they go all out on each other like that, back and forth? And we're so busy going back and forth when we, we're not realizing how we are in last place economically. We are in last place. Why? Because our focus is on the wrong thing. We all, we focus on stupid stuff, what somebody else is doing. That has nothing to do with us. We're so quick to draw a conclusion on someone without even knowing them. But we're not quick to draw a conclusion on ourselves and holding ourselves accountable for the why our life is the way it is. If your life is screwed up, who do you hold accountable for that? The system? Yeah, what is there, what's there and is there a system in place to to um, keep us locked into a certain position? Yes, it was. But guess who's, who, guess who's keeping it going? See, nothing works without participation. I repeat it. Nothing works without participation. Everything is by contract. Yes, they presented an a, a, a opportunity of oppression and, and different things to keep us down. They presented that to us. But at some point, we got to realize we accept it. We're accepting a lot of this stuff, and we're moving forward in it by our own action. Number one thing we have, we have done is, we haven't taken control of our, the minds of our children at a young age. We've allowed an institution to control. And I'm talking about myself included. We've allowed an institution to control the minds of our young children. An institution created to destroy you. Period. Nothing more, nothing less. <laughs> It was created for the benefit of corporations to make money 
and you know we you know in his book he talks about how the drugs they're given given to these young boys these schedule two drugs and shows how the pharmaceutical companies play a huge role and and, and create customers out of children in as early as elementary school. I know that's true because, you know, I know teachers who worked in the school system and always complained about um, how, you know, they had they always had that one one child, one at least one in their class that was on some type of was on that drug called Ritalin, which is a Schedule Two substance, on the level of cocaine and opioids and stuff like that. So they're giving highly addictive drugs to children just so they can be quiet for those few hours so the teacher can continue to miseducate. <laughs> now, no hit on teachers. I think teachers love their – most teachers want to do a good job, but they unfortunately they work in a system that is designed to miseducate. Let me uh, remove people. Let me uh, see people come in to be be uh, you get black you get blocked when you say stupid stuff on here. I don't tolerate it. I don't know why people spend their time <laughs> trying to hate on other people. You, you could be spending that time on make, creating some income for yourself, creating wealth for yourself. I don't have time to, to, to yeah, even if I just I don't got time to go back and forth with people about what they what I don't agree with about them. But anyway, who's out there? They, they love made me lose my chain of thought. We got Karen, Happy Tuesday, Peace. Hindsight Radio says Peace, Prosperity, and Wealth to All. Yazizia Bay said, peace. Greg Bunn said, peace, God. Peace and blessings to all. Matthew Johnson's got a, got the A-OK. Uh, and Mexico says, okay. All right. Um, if y'all got, you know, if y'all got some questions y'all want to ask the brother when he do come on, y'all can. Uh, but put them in the chat. And I will present them to him if he would like if he wants to answer. Now, I got a, a, an event coming up. I do. I will be in Las Vegas November the twelfth. November the twelfth. Seminar note: Las Vegas. I will post it. I have not figured out uh, what the uh, what the cost is going to be because I just actually just finalized things just a day ago. Las Vegas found November the 12th. One day seminar, probably around from 10 to 4, 10 to 3, somewhere in that range. I will be in Viva Las Vegas. So, this is 8.36. He's going to come on at uh, 9.15. I'm going to play the intro to where he talks about his school. I'm going to play that um, shortly. Let's see. Now, uh, it's 
what is it? October 11th. October 11th. October 11th. Do y'all realize that in just a couple of months we'll be doing a New Year New Year's ritual? It's October, November. Just a couple of months. We here already. Just a couple of months. Get ready to start writing down what you expect to happen for the new year, what you want to happen, what you want to manifest. The good that you desire. Get Start thinking about that now. I know one thing in the premium group, a lot of people having good things happen to them this year. They, you know, their the recruitment process is working out good for them. You know, and I, I'm 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 happy for 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 the, for the members. So if you have not joined, you should join. Get on in. Good things, good knowledge, good information. I, I posted a lot more videos. Yeah, I, I just counted some of these. It's over 50 videos in there now, over 50. Not counting content, 50. 50 videos, not counting, you know, the templates and all of that stuff. And I still got a lot more to throw in there. Uh-oh, here we go. Let's see, somebody trying to block user. People putting up, see, the scam artists are coming in trying to put yeah, oh, try to hurt the show. So, <laughs> so I had to block that chat. You see that? I I kind of figured that that might happen. I might I might have to turn off this chat. How do you? Is there a way to turn it off? Listen, if y'all don't like him, why are you here? Why are you here to talk about? If you don't like him, why are you here to tell your negative opinion? Bye. I see I'm going to be blocking people all night. (laughs) I might have to recruit my wife to get on and start blocking people while I'm doing doing the show. He said he only goes on platforms. I've seen that brother on so many platforms where he was, where he was asking tough questions. The haters gonna hate. If you don't, you know what? Let me tell you something about haters. Having haters. That's, having haters shows you you are doing something right. And if you can't handle this level of negativity at a certain level, then you don't need to be in the spotlight. You don't need to be. So someday some of y'all are going to be in a position where you're going to have a lot of following people who want looking up to you. And guess what's going to happen? You're going to get like, I get hate all the time. I get emails. I get like this here, people doing this, trying to destroy the show. But anyway, let's move on. So New Year's is coming up. I'm sure a lot of you had a lot of good things to happen and y'all wanted to continue. So so keep your mind in a positive space so that you can manifest and be able to live out the good that you desire. Stay away from the negativity. 
I know this year a lot of good things happened this year for me. Had some challenges. I ain't going to deny it. We got some challenges. But, oh, but I got it. I don't know. Somebody said, what's wrong with these <laughs> these people, these poor people? I don't, I, just people who got nothing better else to do but try to cause havoc wherever they go. That's wrong. They're mentally disturbed. Anyway, all right, well, it's 840. I'll give a few more minutes. I'm going to play this intro. What I was saying, I'm going to be in Las Vegas October the November the 12th. I will post the location on my website and send out an email. So hope to see some of y'all there. A lot of the good brothers who I've been out there a couple of two. I've been out to Vegas about three times and did a similar thing. If I can't, twice. Yeah, two or three uh, good people out there. So if you want to join in, I will post the location and what it's going to take to be there. So you know, I suggest if you're flying, you better get them tickets early because those flights are not cheap. I know at least from here they not they weren't cheap to fly out there. But I like Las Vegas for a day or two. After that, I get, like, I'm not a gambler, so I don't really get into all of that, the gambling thing. So, so if y'all got questions, why don't y'all put them in the chat? If you got a question for them, as long as it's a positive question. If there's some stupid question, something negative, some hate question, you're not, I'm not taking that. And for the people that someone who came up, oh no, no more. I don't. I'm not. It's not my job to hold people accountable. No, the, the only person I need to hold accountable is myself. The only person you need to hold, hold accountable is yourself. That's the problem. Everybody trying to hold somebody accountable for something they don't like, or something they think they did, <clears throat> or something that maybe they did. What is that? What is that? Uh, he without sin cast first stone. What's that scripture? Be careful who you judge, because you yourself shall be judged too. It's not my job to hold anybody accountable. It's not anybody's job, but the person who is in that situation. It's their job to wake up and see maybe they need to change their ways. And who are you or who am I to say they need to change their ways? Who am I? Who, who am I to say, hey, you got to do this and do that? Who am I? Even in my own household, I got to be careful when I do that. Got to worry about myself. I get checked on that. My wife be telling me, you need to worry about yourself. <laughs> you say that a lot. <laughs> and, and she's right. She's right. Because guess what? We have peace when I focus on myself, right? She, she. She has peace when she focuses on herself. But when we start focusing on the flaws of each other, there's no peace. So we got to put up the white flag. Listen, you check yourself, I check myself. You see? I agree with you, Aaliyah Bay. I think he does get treated unfairly. I believe I agree with that. I agree. But what I notice is our community that's the ones that try to destroy the brother. It's our community. 
In all of the interviews I've seen, it was with our people trying to throw curveball questions at him. But here's the thing. The brother's been going strong for a long time. He's got a huge following. And he's been on shows like The Breakfast Club. He's been on Vlad TV. He's, he, he's, he's been around. And I'm sure if there was some type of issue with the whole school thing, that, that, that would have been something else. So, listen, he's the only brother I know talking about a school specifically educating black young men. Is uh fifteen? It, 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 it. Okay, I think it's time. Yeah, they do be trying to. Yeah, they do be trying to crucify the brother. They do. They do. See, I met the brother and talked to him. I don't know him personally, but I've we've had conversation, a brief one. I've actually did a consultation with him, talked to him, and he broke it down to me. He, he really. Oh, and to be honest, to, now that I'm thinking about it, he was. But this platform that I have right now, I have to partly thank him because he was like one of the first contact with this alternate thinking that I came in contact with. Because I had a situation where my son was in middle school having issues, and they were trying to do all of this. And, 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 and a lot of it had to do with I needed to spend more time with him. And... Uh, and I had to change his diet. He was eating processed foods. When I changed the diet from the processed foods, his behavior changed. So I know a lot of these diagnoses and misdiagnoses, if you look at the children's diet, that affects behavior. Okay, yeah, please block those people with the bad comments for me. Thank you. Um, my wife just said she's going to do that. She's going to handle that. So thank you. Um. The, the, uh, what I was going to say, yeah, uh, Lee, go on to, uh, how's she going to do it? I don't know. She's asking me for the password for YouTube. I don't know that by heart. <laughs> I just log in. I, I guess I'm going to have to do it. I don't have time to, maybe while I'm on the, when I play the video, I can stop and figure that out and get that to it. Oh, because I don't, I don't, I, you know, how you just log into stuff. But anyway, he was one of the first people that I came in contact with that had me, made me think differently about a lot of stuff. I think we talked about 30 minutes or more on the phone, and he was breaking everything down to me. And then I went back. I, I haven't read his book completely, but I read a good bit of it. But it's a good read. It is a very good read. There it is. Y'all need to go get sports, brother. Go get the book. Read it. It's a good read. It's an eye-opening book. And it, I can relate to this, what goes on in the schools personally. Not just because my son, but myself. But I'll break that story down uh, when we do the interview. Oh, here we go. <laughs> he talking about, listen. Well, if you think the building, somebody put up there, the abandoned buildings he calls school, 
If you think the buildings are abandoned, go up there, help them build it. Don't talk about it, help them. All right, so it's 8.48. Let me, let me share the video um, with you guys. Good afternoon. My name is Dr. Umar Johnson. I am a certified school psychologist and doctor of clinical psychology. Four long years ago, we began a fundraising campaign to build America's first independent African-centered school based off the principles of Pan-Africanism and international economics. It has been four long years of fundraising, four long years of searching all across this country, flying and driving from state to state, city to city, looking for the best place to begin the Frederick Douglass and Marcus Garvey RBG International Leadership Academy for Pan-African Excellence. I want to thank all of my loyal supporters and all of my donors who have stood by me through this tough and difficult time. And I am happy and elated to report to you today that we have found the location for the very first FDMG Academy. Brothers and sisters, Ladies and gentlemen, parents and youth and elders, our ancestors are happy today. They rejoice in heaven because we can now begin the process of psychological reconstruction, one African mind at a time. At the Frederick Douglass and Marcus Garvey Academy, we are going to be teaching our young men along the lines of six key sciences. The first science will be economic and financial science. We want our young men to understand wealth as opposed to money. We want them to understand international investment, banking. We need them to be able to read the stock market reports. We want them to understand real estate, and we want them to master the principles of interest. In addition to financial and economic science, we're going to teach our young men dietary and nutritional science. As you know, our people are dying every day from poor food and poor dietary habits. We want to teach them how to understand and use the vitamins and minerals that the universe has given us. We want to teach them how to eat in order to live. And on top of that, there will be agricultural and agronomical science. If we want them to eat properly, we must show them how to grow properly. We must show them how to make their own food, to grow their own fruit, to grow their own vegetables. Oh, yes, this is a Green Thumb Academy where we not only eat to live, but we grow the food that we eat. In addition to that, there will be the science of the community and the family. We have to teach our young men how to be fathers, how to be sons, how to be organizers, and how to be leaders. 
And then after that, political science, to make sure they understand the world in which they live. And then spiritual science, to understand all of the great astrological and cosmological spiritual systems that African people have given to the world. And last but not least, we must also make sure they understand the science of being men. This is why the Frederick Douglass and Marcus Garvey Academy exists. This is what we intend to do within the sacred walls of this great institution. Brothers and sisters, we are not yet done the work of preparing these schools for our young men. There are still many more repairs and renovations that have to take place. I need you to continue to donate. I need you to continue to sacrifice financially. Now is not the time to give up. Now is not the time to give in. We have our building, but now we must repair, renovate, and restore this fine institution so that it is once again a model of 21st century learning. Brothers and sisters, please send your checks and money orders payable to the Frederick Douglass and Marcus Garvey Academy to P.O. Box 6872, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, 19132. We are going to make history. We are going to shock the world. We are going to transform the entire community, one black boy at a time. In this school, you don't have to worry about special education. In this school, you don't have to worry about ADHD diagnoses. In this school, you will never get a phone call from a teacher or an administrator telling you that your child needs dangerous psychiatric medication in order to get an education. In this school, the teachers are responsible for learning in this school, I am, your child's principal, is responsible for his academic success. We don't blame the parents at the Frederick Douglass and Marcus Garvey Academy. And not only that, in this fine institution, we teach self-respect. In this fine institution, we teach Garveyism. In this fine institution, we teach African race pride, and African self-determination, not in one thing, but in all things. In this school, we teach Africa for the Africans, those at home, and those abroad. In this school, your child will be taught the history and life and works of the greatest black leader of the 19th century, the Honorable Frederick Douglass. Your son will also be taught the history, the life, and the works of the father of modern Pan-Africanism, the Honorable Marcus Messiah Garvey. What your son will get in this academy, he will not get anywhere else on earth. Rejoice today 
because this is an international school. And the beauty of what we are going to do here at the Frederick Douglass and Marcus Garvey Academy, the beauty lies in the fact that where this great school is located gives our young men in Maryland an opportunity to learn here. We will give our young men in New Jersey an opportunity to learn here. We will give our young men in Pennsylvania an opportunity to learn here. The Frederick Douglass and Marcus Garvey Academy. School number one will be in the second smallest state in this great nation. It will be in the first state to ratify the United States Constitution. It will be in one of the last states to end the chattel slavery of our African ancestors. Brothers and sisters, that state is Delaware. Here, in one of the original 13 states, we will begin the process of resurrecting African people and reconstructing the African mind one child at a time. I don't have to tell you that we have a war against black boys in this country that is sending our young men to the cemetery and to the prison. We have a war against black males in this country that is putting more black men on the streets than in the boardroom. There is a war against our young men. Everything from police genocide to black on black fratricide, everything from homicide to suicide, everything from unemployment, low self-esteem, and psychological hopelessness. But we're going to change all that. In just a few short months, we're going to change all that. In the name of our ancestors, in the name of our elders, in the name of my two grandmothers, both of whom I lost this year, I dedicate this sacred institution. I dedicate this sacred space to the resurrection and to the reclamation of African people everywhere. All I can say is get ready. Get ready for redemption. Get ready for resurrection. Get ready to rejoice because the Frederick Douglass and Marcus Garvey RBG International Leadership Academy for Pan-African Excellence is about to open its doors. Brothers and sisters, if you would like to volunteer or work at the Frederick Douglass and Marcus Garvey RBG International Leadership Academy for Pan-African Excellence, please contact me at Dr. Umar Johnson at Yahoo.com. That's B-R-U-M-A-R-J-O-H-N-S-O-N at Yahoo.com. Or you can call your brother at 844-4-DR-UMAR. That's 844-4-D-R-U-M-A-R. I want volunteers. I want brothers and sisters with skills and talent and expertise that they are willing to share with our young men. Come and be a part of the Frederick Douglass and Marcus Garvey Academy family. Come and be a part of this great Pan-African renaissance that we are going to begin at this school. Brothers and sisters, ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you 
that at the FDMG Academy, there will be no out-of-school suspension. At the FDMG Academy, parents will never be called and told they must come in to get their children. At the FDMG Academy, there will never, ever be a problem with young men being arrested by police. No boy will be arrested inside of this school. At the Frederick Douglass and Marcus Garvey Academy, we will have a 90% raw and vegan diet. At the Frederick Douglass and Marcus Garvey Academy, they will learn African language. At this institution, they will learn African martial arts. At this institution, community service will be a critical aspect of instruction at this school. We are Pan-Africans, and our young men will be Pan-Africans. We are dedicated to the emancipation of African minds. As my ancestor Frederick Douglass once said, it is better to build strong men than to repair those who have been broken. Marcus Messiah Garvey said, without confidence in self, you are twice defeated in the race of life. But with confidence, you have won even before you have started. Ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, I am happy today. And I hope that you are happy with me. Because in these chairs that you see before you, in these very seats, our young men will sit down and learn who they are, where they are, where they come from, but more importantly, what they still must be. 1690. 400 years ago, our ancestors were brought here, not as people, but as property. They were brought here to serve, to work. They were dehumanized and condemned. The worst tragedy in human history. Here we are next year, the eve of 400 years, the quadricentennial of the American slavery of African people is right before us. And we are offering our sacrifice of the Frederick Douglass and Marcus Garvey RBG International Leadership Academy for Pan-African Excellence. This school will be our great and mighty sacrifice to our African ancestors to let them know that we have not forgotten them, to let them know that we will honor them, to let them know that in this school, our young men will pick up where they left off. Martin Delaney, Henry Highland Barnett, Patrice Lamuna, Kwame Nkrumah, Anna Julia Cooper, Lady Henrietta Benton Davis, Amy Jakes Garvey, Amy Ashwood Garvey, Edward Wilmot Blythe, Matt Turner, Gabriel Proctor, Denmark Beasy, Ida B. Wells, Sojourner Truth, Harriet Tubman, Queen Mother Nanny, Yah Ashantiwa, Queen Nzinga, Robert Purvis, Mega Evers, Malcolm X, Dr. John Henry Clark, Dr. Yusuf Benyakin, Dr. Amos Wilson, John Jackson, George G.M. James, Carter G. Woodson, Shaka Kassensa Kakona, Menelik II, His Majesty Emperor Haile Selassie. 
Frederick Douglass, Marcus Garvey, and the list goes on. All of these great men will be honored of hell and their spirits will be invited into this great attack. Brothers and sisters, the time has come for the redemption of Africa. Brothers and sisters, as this will be the site of the very first Frederick Douglass and Marcus Garvey Academy, it must not only be the learning institution for our young men, but it must also be the international headquarters for the National Independent Black Parent Association. And it will also be the international headquarters for the 21st century's greatest Pan-African movement, the international movement for the independence and protection of African people, also known as Team Pan-African. We will run the NIBPA from this location, and we will run Team Pan-African from this location. We will also have an annual FDMG Pan-African Family Festival. And not only that, we will have an International Black Women's Festival, International Black Men's Festival, International Pan-African Youth Conference. This is where we will hold our think tank. This is where we will strategize to build a black grocery store and build a black bank and build a black hospital and build a black farm from this location. All that must be done to turn this city into a black Wall Street will be done. Oh, yes. It is definitely about the education of our children, but it does not stop there. It is about the organization of our community. It is about the political and financial empowerment of African people all around the world. The Honorable Marcus Messiah Garvey and the UNIA has given us the blueprint. They said wherever Garvey goes, so goes the headquarters of the great movement. And as a result of that, where I go, so goes the international headquarters for all of African people. So from this space, we will organize our community. From this space, we will save our young people. From this space, we will support our sisters. And from this space, we will resurrect our brothers. It's going down in 2019. 400 years later, the quadricentennial of African people. Get your boots on. Get ready. Get focused and get dedicated because there is work that must be done. And we need all members of our community to come together. Whether you are Nawafi, Gods and Earth, Nation of Islam, whether you are Hebrew, more Pan-African, Socialist, or Nationalist, the time has come for black power. Brothers and sisters, saving black children is my life. Saving black boys is my pledge. Helping black mothers is my focus. Empowering black fathers is what I live for. Brothers and sisters, I cannot wait. I cannot wait until we open up these doors on the first day of school. I can't wait to see all the young men being dropped off. I can't wait for all the black mothers to be so pleased at the fact that they finally have a school for black boys, by black boys, 
and in the interests of black boys. The Frederick Douglass and Marcus Garvey Academy, Team Pan-African, the National Independent Black Parent Association. We have a lot of problems in black America. We got racism and self-hate. We got organizational tribalism. We have issues between black men and black women. We have light skin supremacy issues and dark skin supremacy issues. We have economic disorganization problems. We have black bourgeoisie issues. We have all kinds of problems. But inside of this building, we will begin to solve those problems for the entire African world from right here in Delaware. The entire African world will come here on a regular basis to help us organize and strategize and mobilize our people for the Pan-African resurrection that our ancestors craved and deserved. All roads, all roads in the African world, all seven continents and the hundreds of countries, all roads will lead to the Frederick Douglass and Marcus Garvey Academy. Wilmington, Delaware, I hope you're ready. Everywhere from Dover to Newcastle to Wilmington and points beyond, get ready. Because we are about to become the living example of what a black community is supposed to be. Black Delaware, I hope you are ready. Because we are about to become the focus of the pan-African world. We will become the 21st century first black Wall Street. One God, one aim, one destiny. Four long years ago, I made a pledge to black boys in this country that I would give them and their parents a school that was designed just for them, where they wouldn't have to worry about being suspended every day or expelled every other year. They wouldn't have to worry about their mothers being called from work, being told that they have to come and take their son out of school for behavior problems. They don't have to worry about being called the N-word by teachers. They don't have to worry about being ridiculed for who they are. They don't have to worry about being forced to worship the culture of another people above and beyond their own. Well, the time has come. I have kept my promise, and I will deliver to our young men and their parents, especially our single mothers, a school that will be a heaven on earth, a place where our young men can be, where they can not only survive, but also thrive. And brothers and sisters, we don't only have just one school. We have two schools. We have the Frederick Douglass Building, and we have the Marcus Garvey Building. That's right. Two schools for our boys. And sooner or later, our girls, we are here. The time has come. Our ancestors have spoken, and the Frederick Douglass and Marcus Garvey Academy will be a reality. Not just the school, but a community center. Not just a community center, but a think tank. Not just a think tank, but the headquarters for Team Pan-African, the international movement for the independence and protection of African people. The die has been cast. The ancestors have spoken. 400 years later, it is time to get up off our knees and live as men and women. I hope you are happy. I hope you are glad. I hope you continue to donate because the resurrection of African people will begin in Wilmington, Delaware. 
I can't hear you, good brother. Not sure if you can hear me. It sounds like you turned. I think I heard you for a minute there. Nah. That's my bad. I, I had my. There we go. There we go. There we go. <laughs> my bad. <laughs> I had my mute button because I was trying to deal with some technical difficulties while I was playing your introduction. But, hey, thank you for joining me. Um, Glad to be here, brother. Glad to be here. Um, we met a long time ago at a seminar. I think it was Hemingway, South Carolina. Okay. Um, I don't. We had a brief conversation. It wasn't long. Um, and then I did a consultation with you. You helped me with my son when they were trying to diagnose okay. him with ADHD. Gotcha. Just an update on that. He he's grown now. He's he's almost he's twenty seven now. <laughs> All right. Wow. Um, I figured out it was a dietary issue, and I had to be more engaged in that change. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So, but anyway, um. One of the things I wanted to share with you, wanted to talk about is your book, in which I had yes, purchased sir. and you signed, and I was reading through it. Um, yes, sir. And, and I, you know, they talked about the pharmaceuticals, that they want to, you know, fill our young boys up. Yeah. Oh, is that the, that's the new book? That's the new book, Black new Parent book. Advocates, the follow-up. Okay, the follow-up to that one, part two. Okay. Yes, sir. Definitely. Y'all see that Black Parent Advocate? Go get it from the brother. Go to his website, drumarjohnson.com. I will put that link in the chat. I want, before we get really started, I just want to say, man, I had to, I had to cut some people off in the chat. Man. They just were going ham. Oh, oh, man. I'm used to it, brother. It's all right. <laughs> it is all right. Hey. I always say, if one of them could lay claim to having done more for the race than I have, I wouldn't have no critics. Absolutely. And, and that's what I say. You, I've tried to tell people, when you are doing something at a certain level and you're trying to do good, you're always going to have opposition. There's no oh. success without opposition. And that's your Absolutely. test to see how you can break through those barriers and deal that's with right. people like that. So anyway, so – Sort of, let's talk about how's the school coming along? How's that coming along? I see you got the it's building. Coming. Yeah, we've had the building since 2019. It's been about three and a half years now. Uh, we were somewhat stagnated because of our inability to find dependable, reliable black contractors in the area with integrity. Right. Uh, that has really been the biggest reason why the schools are not renovated. So I had to make a decision. And I made this decision the week of the FDMG second annual festival, which was September the 10th. So the first week of September, I decided that I can no longer wait on black contractors to help us finish this job. And so I contracted with a white-owned HVAC company. And I hate to have to say this, but it's the truth. I met them one week, and the HVAC was put in place the very next week after waiting three years for black people to help me do it. Broken promises, no shows, people taking your deposit money, never showing up to do the work. 
starting the work, not finishing the work. The white company had to H back up within a week after we met. Mm. You know, I could attest to that. I, 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 I know that's the truth because currently we're dealing with the contracting issue at the home and they show up when they want to. It's, it's, I, I can relate to having that type of issue. And just in do, be, being a businessman myself, it, you meet a lot of challenges trying to deal with our folks. I don't, and one of the reasons why I believe we have these issues is we do not have a love for doing business with each other. We are, oh, we, we have, we're, 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 it's easy for us to, we'll take and allow another group of people to do the business and do less quality work and be mm-hmm. happy with that. Absolutely. And one of the things I like what you said in something, one of your programs, you did a seminar and you were saying, our biggest issue is us. Absolutely. You know, yeah, we had issues before that was the systems that were put in place. But right now, we're helping these systems keep running. Absolutely. So, you know, if you want to elaborate on that, you know. Yeah, our disorganization has reached epic proportions. And although racism, white supremacy remains our single greatest enemy, we are without question its greatest accomplice and our second greatest enemy. Our unwillingness to unite in order to save ourselves is what has earned us the disrespect and contempt of the rest of the world. We are the only people in the world who will not unite collectively in order to save themselves. We have no internal racial code, no internal community code. We are absolutely in love with white folks. There's nothing that they can do that would make black people wake up and just separate and do something for ourselves. Um, and the, what makes it worse, though, is we are raising our children. Are, every subsequent generation of black people, the children, they're being raised in a self-hating culture, in a self-hating atmosphere. If you look at it, the entire black community uh, functions on conflict. Um, in the rap community, the whole rap community is based on conflict. If you want to sell your albums, you need to be at odds with another black person. You see the same thing in the R&B world. You see it in the sports world. You see it in the church. Black churches competing with each other for members. There is no collaboration amongst us. Everything's based on competition because of our self-hatred. Yeah. I'll have to disagree with you. There's no collaboration. We have collaboration on barbecues, (laughs) football (laughs) games. (laughs) All the things that destroy us, help us destroy ourselves, that's where we have our collaboration. It, it, funerals, we come, yeah. we come together. Uh, you know, family come together the most when, when, when we when we have a funeral. So there is collaboration. It's just not proper collaboration. Meaning, absolutely, it's not progressive. The, what we need progressive pro, uh, collaboration. And no political economic infrastructure. Right. So, and one of the things that, like. We're not going to agree on everything. I, I, I say that. I, I've never, I work with people all the time. I do business with people, and I don't agree with some of the things they say or do. But one of the things we have to agree on, we have to do something about our economic infrastructure. If we don't, we're done. Because other groups of people are outpacing us in 
buying a property, buying land, and they're seeing to the education of their children and legacy. You go into, let's say you go into an Asian business. What do you see? You see them, them working in their business, their children working in their business to keep that business going. <clears throat> you see? See, I, let me manage this so <laughs> people keep putting these crazy uh, messages here in the uh, chat. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so, yes, I agree with that. We we don't, we're the only few people that don't work together. And how do we fix that? Is it fixable? It's fixable, but it has to be fixed intergenerationally. And what I mean by that, and this is why education is so important, this is why, you know, I decided to start with the Frederick Douglass Marcus Garvey Academy. As my ancestor Frederick Douglass said, it's better to raise strong children than to repair broken men. We can eliminate this in one generation. All we have to do is raise the next generation of black children the proper way, make sure they are educated the proper way, socialized the proper way, indoctrinated the proper way. That's all we have to do. One generation, and you can wipe this whole thing out. You can wipe out the self-hate, the negritude, the social apathy, the economic uh, undiscipline that we suffer from as a people. All it takes is one generation. Take every black infant in America right now. Every newborn, every baby less than 12 months old, and control their education, control their environment, control their socialization, and in 20 years you'll have a new black America. So you say, if it's that easy, why we don't have a new black America yet? Because 95% of our kids are educated by white folks, whether they're educated by white folks in a charter school, whether they're educated by white folks in a private school, whether they're educated by white folks in a public school, whether they're educated by white folks in a parochial school. Most black children are socialized, indoctrinated, and educated by white people. So how are you going to get a new paradigm when you keep on going back to the slave master to educate your children? Right. All right. You know, that, that brings me to um, uh, 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 an epiphany or realization. It was, it, was, it was a big one. I was trying to educate my daughter, you know, and I kept trying to figure out, why she don't want to listen to me, <laughs> right? Why she, she, she get all these, she's an A student, she gets these A's, and um, she's not listening to me. And then, then the voice went off in my head and said, hey, you sending her to, the, to, to, to a place that is educating her to hate herself and you at the same time. I mean, they're not saying hate yourself directly through the education in the curriculum. It insinuates that so that's when i had to take responsibility and say it's my fault i sent her to a place that is educating her against her own well-being and against my own well-being so yeah i think i agree it's absolutely on us to educate our children take them out of these institutions that don't really mean them any good because i i mean i'm a result it had a result that i'll share that person's story later uh, so what, what you're really saying is integration didn't do us any good. Integration didn't do us any good, but I think also black people have to stop trying to scapegoat the late, great Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. when it comes to integration. Dr. King was assassinated in 68. Okay, integration did not really begin to manifest until the early 70s. 
So Dr. King was already six feet in the ground when the federal government started forcing states and counties to comply with its uh, desegregation mandates. Black people did not desegregate or integrate because of Dr. King. They did it because they love white folks. Uh, look at us now. Dr. King is nowhere around, and where do we shop? Dr. King is nowhere around, and the average black person, as soon as they get a master's degree, they feel the first thing they have to do in order to look successful is to move into a white suburb. Dr. King isn't making you do that. Uh, look where we bank. Look where we send our kids to school at. You know, Dr. King is not around to be given credit for that. We love white people. We love white people more than ourselves. We love white people more than our children. And most American Negroes were not admitted, but white values are still the standard by which we judge our own success. We do not have an independent mindset at all. We are totally psychologically dependent on the white power structure for approval. Right. <laughs> two, two things, two things that you must always have if you're serious about climbing out of any oppressed reality or marginalized situation. You must have independent schools for your children, and you must be about the business of creating an independent economic system for your community. Train the children, employ the adults. If you cannot train the children, you will not have a good future. Right. If you cannot employ the adults, you're not going to have a good experience. You need to employ the adults so the community can begin the process of healing itself now. Employ the adults to heal now. Educate the children to prepare for the future. Every great revolutionary movement that you've ever read about, ever seen, ever studied, all of them take two things very seriously, in addition to military preparation, and that is educating the children and employing the adults. Because if you don't employ your own, they have no reason to be loyal to you. One of the biggest reasons African people have more sellouts than every other race put together. We have more sellouts in Negro peons than every other race put together. You just saw what Kanye West and Candace Owens did over in, at the Paris Fashion Week with the White Lives Matter shirt. You see, no other race would ever do that. You will never see European Jews say German life matters. You follow me? You're not going to see uh, the Ukrainians say Russian life matters. You're not going to see that. But two very well-known Africans, one of them a mega celebrity in Kanye West, and they would put on White Lives Matter shirt to make a mockery of the Black Lives Matters movement, which is born of a protest to eliminate police genocide, one of the five major problems that black people have in this country. But getting back to my point, until we educate the children ourselves, you're going to get more Candace Owens. You're going to get more Kanye West. You're going to get more of them because there's no system in place by the black community to prevent those types of mindsets from coming to the forefront. See, it's not about Kanye. It's the mindset Kanye represents. It's not about Candace. It's the mindset that Candace represents. They're just individuals. By themselves, they're not going to change nothing. But you keep on getting a whole generation of black men who think like Kanye West, a whole generation of black women who think like Candace Owens. You have a problem. That's why the education is important, to change the thinking. The employment is important to keep your adults loyal to you. See, it's hard for black people to be loyal to the black community because it does nothing for them. 
Why are our children killing each other? Why are they robbing each other? Why are they selling dope? You know why? Because the black community does nothing for me. I never see it do anything for my mother. It didn't do nothing for my grandmother, my uncle, my auntie. How can you be loyal to a community that does nothing for you? Well, right. It doesn't employ you. You don't get a job. You can't, you know, and a lot of times, sometimes you get employed uh, by different, (laughs) your own, there's always some type of financial issue with your pay (laughs) that goes on in that situation. So, yes. You're right. I'll, now, is it an issue we don't have the money to do it? Oh, we have the money, my brother. We're a $2 trillion economy. Right. We are a $2 trillion economy. That means we're the 10th richest economic power on the planet. We are the wealthiest, speaking of non-material wealth, so we don't have oil and gas and gold and diamonds. In terms of income, we are the wealthiest Amer- African community in the world. The American African is the wealthiest African community in the world in terms of income. We always talking about Black Wall Street, but we don't own a single Black Wall Street. No city in America, 50 million Africans spread across 50 states. 50 million Africans spread across 50 states. And not a single community where we own the school to educate the people, the hospitals to save the people, the bank to invest in the people, and the supermarket to feed the people. You don't have a single black Wall Street in America that is unacceptable. You have, you have Latino communities self-contained, Chinese communities self-contained, Irish communities, Italian communities, Jewish communities, Cambodian communities, all these other ethnic groups who came to America after us. And don't get me wrong, I understand there were impediments put in our place post-Dr. King era where we have had an explosion of income and occupation, an explosion of income, occupation, and credential. It is no excuse why you can't find a single black community that, is, that has those four essential institutions. So you got these wealthy blacks who will go buy a $100 million mansion and put 50 cars in the garage, will never be able to drive them all, 50 cars. But the ghetto that they grew up in is still just as disorganized and disenfranchised as it was when they decided to abandon it. Even when we get large amounts of money, we don't even use it in a constructive way. Now, let me play devil advocate on that one, right? So, and it's just in my experience. Sometimes when you try to reach out to help someone who's less uh, fortunate, is less fortunate than you, sometimes that turns on you. Could that be the reason why some of these people with all the money don't want to go back to those communities and bring it back up because it won't be appreciated? Well, remember, and I totally understand your point, but I'm not talking about coming back to help individuals. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about coming back to build systems and communities. Gotcha. There's okay. a big difference. Right. I'm not talking about a handout to nobody. Sense. I'm right. talking about investing in a system. See, systems help entire communities. 
Right. You understand? You go to Africa and you put a fresh water system in the community, everybody can drink. Right. You see? And if you notice what the white philanthropists do and what the Negro philanthropists do, our athletes and entertainers, is exactly the same. When they come to the black community, they help individuals. They never create systems. Walmart doesn't create no systems in the black community. Right. Okay? Sears and, and Macy's, when they come, they will help a few blacks they, because they know, as, you know, the biblical adage says, you teach a man to fish, he can eat for a lifetime, right. but if you give him a fish, he only eats for a day. Independent of no, yeah. Nobody wants to empower the black community. Right. Nobody wants. So what do you do with the people who you have to give something to, but you don't want to empower you make sure it's individual handouts. You give them a fish. You never give them the ability to fish for themselves. That's what all our athletes do. That's what white philanthropists do. That's why charity has never liberated anybody. Right. You can't go anywhere in the world and show me where charity has liberated people. You know why? Because charity comes from the rich to the poor. The rich have no intention of liberating the poor. So they only give you crumbs, and they give you just enough to survive for the moment. They never put you in a position to survive forever. Right. We don't need handouts. We need them. Come create an economic system, a school system. Right, right. We need systems. I, I would, I would have to. I see your point on that because when you go, like, say, if you can't pay your light bill, you can go down to the local one of those charity places. They'll give you. Just enough to pay the light bill. But Just problem, enough to pay the light bill. The problem's going to exist next month because you, you, people are not making Absolutely. enough to pay their bills. Absolutely. So it's a if you look at all the handouts yeah. that have been given to black Africa and black America, if you look at all the poverty programs that have been implemented in black Africa, black America, black Caribbean, anywhere where we are, you would say, why are there any black people in poverty when you look at the type of charity that has been given to the black community because it is, they're not giving you systems of liberation. Right. They're not giving you systems of yeah. empowerment. They are giving you isolated donations that you cannot build upon to empower yourself. Right. And make you stand in line for it. <laughs> and make you stand in line for it. <laughs> right. You're right. So uh, with that being said, nobody's saving black people unless we save ourselves. Right. Nobody's... It, for example, right now, you hear all this conversation about reparations. Right. I support reparations. Marcus Garvey is the father of modern reparations. The reparations movement was born from the umbrella of Pan-Africanism. Mm -hmm. We are the ones who invented the reparations movement. None of these new people talking about it invented it, but a lot of our young people don't have an education. Right. They think these YouTubian uh, podcasters, are the ones who gave birth to the reparations movement would let you know how well-read they are. But anyway, it bothers me that you have people in these reparations conversations who are saying things like black America will not be able to fix ourselves until the government gives us reparations. First of all, that is a lie. Second of all, that is a cop-out. Third of all, that is a distraction away from the $2 trillion. 
Why do you have to wait on the government to give you some money when you're giving Michael Jordan and Nike $2 billion a year? You're giving McDonald's a billion a year. Black women giving the Korean hair care industry $30 billion a year. Mm. We're giving chicken, turkey, beef, and pork $800 million a year. Children's cologne is about $20 million a year. What are we talking about? We need reparations before we can fix our situation. You know what that means? It means we do not want to take economic responsibility for ourselves. The one, if you say name one Achilles heel of black America, name one, it is the failure to take economic accountability and responsibility for how we handle our disposable income. After you pay your essential bill, the money that is left over, black people do not organize that money and engineer that money to finance our political economic liberation. We are the only group who will not unite economically for their liberation. The black dollar is never put to work to create black power. And if there is no black dollar, there will never be any black power, ever. But because of our self-hatred, commitment to liberation for everybody, the black dollar remains an enemy of the black community. In fact, I would argue that the black dollar is racist against the people who own it because the black dollar has no problem touching the Chinese hand, the Jewish hand, the Anglo-Saxon hand. The black dollar has no problem touching the Latino hand, the East Indian hand, but the black dollar never wants to touch another black hand. Mm-hmm. We are an economically retarded people, and we're sitting around acting like, we need reparations to fix our situation. That is a damn lie. We don't need reparations to fix our situation. You got communities in this country with way less than two trillion who are doing much more than we are. It's not about reparations, but because we don't want to be responsible with the money we have, mm-hmm. we want to wait on the government to fix our problems. And the danger of that argument, my brother, is that it suggests what it tells the government you got these Negroes right where you want them because they're saying they cannot improve without your help. Without a government check or handout, black America is doomed. That's the narrative coming from the reparations camp, and I totally reject it. Yeah, you, you hit it on the head because the one thing that I notice our people do is they don't want to give up them checks. If they're getting oh, some type of freebie situation – they do not want to give up to give up that. Now, I'm just speaking from my own personal experience where I was in a situation where I, I owned a barbershop. I, I was cutting here, and I was making some decent money. But before that, I, I, economically, I was challenged. <laughs> I was broke. Let's put it like that. And I lived in a place where it was rent subsidized, right? So I'm sitting mm-hmm. down trying to figure out how to manipulate my, these paperwork so, so I don't show so, so much income so I can stay in this place. And then something hit me. Said, something just hit my head. It said, like, hey, you're just trying to stay broke. What's wrong with you? And I, just, I decided at that moment I'm giving that up. I'm making enough money. And I went out and we bought our first house. You know? Mm-hmm. So the challenge some of our people are growing up generationally, and I have family like this in these types of situations, and they can't see no other way to live. Mm. 
they, 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 they can't see past that box that they built for them. So it started two, three, four generations ago. Okay, you do this, and then the parents are teaching, go ahead, go get this money. You can get this, you can get this, you can get this. Not teaching the children the, the important things. Go make your own money. Go start your own business. You know, although we do have challenges in our community when it comes to our people doing business with us, and I know one of the major challenges you probably face, I'll say to assume, is people helping you with the school. You know, well, when they do give you money, they, you know, they, they're trying to hold you more accountable than they hold these other people. Well, absolutely that. But the irony in my situation is the, our donors are very supportive, so we don't have an issue per se, the donations. Mm-hmm. Most of our critics are people who don't donate. That's the irony of the FDMG situation. Wow. The people worrying about the money haven't given in, and the right. people who give the money are not criticizing. Right. You follow, which is why my detractors are so angry at me because I will not validate them with a response. Right. I will not validate them. It makes no sense to respond to people who are not supporters, ain't the least bit interested in what you're doing. They just need content for their podcast. That's all they're looking for. Right. You follow me? Most of our donors are repeat donors. In fact, I'm not even sure if we got any one-time donors. Everybody I see, they donate every single week. I got people who've been donating for the entire uh, eight years that we've had the fundraising campaign. You know, so we don't have an issue. Our donors are loyal. They're supportive. They come from every stratum of the economic ladder in the black community from the retired grandmom on a fixed income to the mother on public assistance to the doctor, the lawyer, the engineer. We have them all. You know, I probably have the most diverse uh, support base of anybody in the global, you know, African consciousness movement. Um, so the issue is not the donors. The issue is all of these Negroes who ain't got nothing to do with this school, nothing to do with this program, nothing to do with this agenda, who want to tear it down from the outside because they're too jealous that the people didn't give them the money to open up the school. In my, I, haven't, I haven't seen anybody out there trying to promote a school like you're trying to promote it. They're not. If I'm missing, they're not, they're not, that, yeah, they're, if they're I'm not. missing anything, I don't, like on the level that you're trying to push, open up the school, you're the first person I've heard in my 53 years on this planet that want to do a school like that. You know, because we need institutions. Right. See, we need system and we need institutions right. that are independently financed by black folks. Right. That's what we need. But guess what? It takes a lot of sacrifice. Yeah. It takes a lot of energy. It takes a lot of money. It takes a lot of time to build an institution for black folks without non-African money. That's what we're doing with the Frederick Douglass Marcus Garvey. You got to be committed to this to go through what I'm going through, the strife, the struggle, the IRS audits, the constant complaints by Negroes to the state and the FBI and the, and the governor's brother. You can't name an agency in Pennsylvania or Delaware or D.C. federal level that has not been complained to by Negroes against me. Every, we, I have heard from every single agency, my brother, and not a single one has been on me by white folks, all Negroes. These YouTube Negroes without a life, no credentials, most of them ain't got no job. They have nothing to do but sit around trying to destroy a black man who's doing something more than they're doing. It's the shame, brother. We have a crisis of mediocrity and we have a crisis of self-hate. 
that I think is at the worst level it's ever been since we've been in this country, brother. I mean, the amount of black people on YouTube who are just sitting around criticizing, attacking, and trying to condemn and destroy other black people is absolutely out of control. Yes, and that's, if you notice, I don't have a lot of views on my channel because I don't do that type of thing. The, the, the exactly. channels that got all of the views, they're talking about people. They Someone said yes. this, and yes. they're going back and yes. forth, and I don't do that here. And, but I have, but here's the thing, like you, I have quality followers that support me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Going. But I don't tolerate, we have enough people talking about us already. I mean, they look at us like we're, like we're buffoons and we're fools and we do stupid things. And, and honestly, we do, as a people group, we, we, we make bad decisions and we do stupid things. And we, yeah. we ear our dirty laundry in the street. You know, okay, this brother might have done something out of out of line, but do we need to blow a trumpet about it? Do we need to keep stepping on that issue? Because all of us, if we really dig deep, have have something that someone can talk about. Absolutely. About. So, why should we help the structure who already want to keep us in a certain position? Why do we help them with that? And every like the the the, the big thing now is to get on get on our sisters now. That's the yeah. they don't they don't block videos like YouTube shut down people for talking talking about certain things right they'll take their channel down but one thing they I've never seen them take a channel down about is if they're talking about a black man or a black woman never never <laughs> I've never seen them do that we can we can we can we can go in that field and destroy each other and it will allow us to do it and make money off of it you know guys became millionaires off of talking about the struggles that sisters are having right now. Now, although some of those points might be valid, but at the same time, do we need to keep highlighting that, the problems? How about highlighting solutions? What do we do? Okay. They don't want to highlight because that takes work and organization. And right. black people are so degenerate that we don't want to focus on positivity. Negativity sells in our community. So yeah. from a podcaster standpoint, what am I going to focus on the positive stuff for? What am I going to focus on the solutions? Because, number one, I'm not interested in no solutions. The money and the views and the likes and the clicks is in the negativity. It's in the conflict. Right. It's in the character assassination. Right. I'm not interested in nothing positive. So these same people who talk about the problem will hypocritically never be interested in creating a right. solution. That's, the that's, people that's, who talk about the problems will never be interested in creating a solution because their discussion of the problem isn't based on a sincere concern. It's based on licks, clacks, views, and adsense. So I was looking at look, the, the, the uh, promotional video you have for the school, and you said you need people. You, 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 you outlined some people. So what do you re need re right now as far as resources? To, to move the needle forward? Well, right now is the, um, it's the contractors right now. We might be okay. Um, we still haven't locked down the plumber. The black plumber we had took the money and disappeared on us. Um, so we have to find another plumber to finish the work. Um, that's where we're lacking somewhat. Um, but I think we'll be okay with the small school, the Garvey building. We might be okay. Uh, we're going to have some trouble 
Well, not trouble. We're just going to have to have an, another fundraiser for the Frederick Douglass High School because that school is about four times the size of the Marcus Garvey building. So once the Marcus Garvey building is done, we will start from scratch all over again to raise the funds necessary to renovate the Douglas School. But the good news is once the Douglas, once the Garvey building is done, we can start educating our young men. And I think that once the community sees the job that we'll be doing in the education of our young men in the Garvey School, I think the amount of support we get will probably double, triple, and even quadruple, you know. In other words, show them what you can do with the small school so that help you achieve completion of the big school. Okay. Now, I do know some um, commercial contractors that are black that uh, in New York. I could put you in connection with them. And they've been saying they've been hard getting some commercial jobs and things are kind of slow for them. So they, I don't mind. Them. You can you send them my way. I wouldn't mind seeing what their thoughts are Okay. on Frederick Douglass High School. Of course, they're going to have to get licensed in Delaware and in Wilmington. And that has been a big uh, detraction as well, my brother, because as you know, Delaware is the second to the smallest state. Right. So you don't have a lot of people to begin with. Right. And Wilmington, the city of Wilmington, requires their own license separate from the state. You know, most states don't operate like that. If you're licensed in the state, you can practice anywhere in the state. Right. But in Wilmington, you have to be licensed not only in Delaware, but a secondary license in the city of Wilmington. And so a lot of people just kind of throw their hands up, and they're like, I can't deal with all of this. You know, if I lived in Philadelphia, my brother, the school be renovated already. Why? Because Philadelphia has thousands of plumbers, thousands of HVAC techs, thousands of carpenters, thousands of electricians, thousands of roofers, hundreds of sprinkler companies, hundreds of fire alarm companies. But I'm dealing with the second smallest state, trying to find people who look like me in the second smallest state with integrity and character to help me carry this out. And that has not been good. All right. Okay. All right. Well, I'll, I'll pass it on. Hopefully it'll work out. I'm not a plumber. I'm not a, I'm not a, none of those things. Um, but I believe it'll come through. It'll work out. We just, you just got to stay focused on the goal and keep seeing that vision and it, it'll just play out. Uh, for you, it'll it'll end up working out. But you know, right. no struggle, no progress, right? <laughs> you know, no struggle, no progress. I mean, we're in a good place. Yeah. You know, I'll tell you, brother. Ever since we got the HVAC put in place, and of course, they're still working on those units. They got to be tied in and finalized. But ever since the festival, there's been a good energy that has come with the school. We've been able to move a whole lot quicker. Uh, and I hate to admit this, but it's because we're using non-African labor. I mean, now that we're using white folks, brother, stuff is moving. It's moving quick. It's a shame, man. It hurts you. You know, on the one hand, you're happy, right, because you're moving. Right. But on the other hand, you're sad because it's like you I waited three and a half years for my people to help me do this. And so when I get the white folks, they done done more in 30 days than we've done in three years. And it's just a shame. So that brings me a question. Considering the, the sense of urgency that you have to get this open, why not take with you what's going to work? Regardless, well, I have to at this point. That's exactly what we're doing now, my brother. Because at some point, you got to read the writing on the wall. Right. And I've had black people come to me, elders, contractors, who are not able to do, you know, commercial level work. But they say, hey, listen, Dr. Omar, we know you race first, brother. We know you Garvey. We know you red, black, and green. But we have to say this to you, brother, because we want to see you succeed. If you're waiting on our people mm -hmm. to get you to the finish line with your school, 
you're never going to get there. You're never going to get there. And what bothers me, my brother, is if I was who I am in any other race, if I was been a school psychologist with my following and my presence, if I was who I am for the Latinos or the Chinese or the Arabs or the East Indians or the Native Americans, if I was who I am in any other race, that whole campus would have been done the first year, my brother. would have been no year two. Right. Would have been no year three. In, if they were in the condition our children are in, if they were in the condition our children are in in America's schools, and I am who I am to them, brother, them schools, that, that whole campus might have been done in the first three months. It would have been no if, ands, but. It wouldn't have been about no money or none of that. They would have just done it because they had that love and commitment to their people. You know, for us, and this is why I don't take it personally, my brother, we do not have a track record of building independent black institutions. How many independent black institutions can you name? I'm talking no loan from a white bank, no handout from the government, uh, no donations from white people or white corporations. Absolutely. I don't know any. I don't know any either. Because Every institution I know that's black is right. subsidized by white folks. Every single right. one that I know. Right. And that, that's see, a so, fact. I know that for a fact because I read the statutes, and they, every year they're allotted so much money for the schools. They, they, absolutely. They, they have this, Even the independent thing. black schools, ain't, a lot of them ain't independent. Yeah. Because if <laughs> a getting, lot of them are getting grants from white organizations and government. Right. We are 100% financed in independently black. Right. There is no government funding, no right. corporate funding, no white donors. This is purely us by us. Right. And it's the first time it's been done since Marcus Garvey. And I also think, and I got to do some research, but I think we're the first school ever in American history, black school that was financed by black people from every single continent in the world. Our brothers and sisters in Africa, our brothers and sisters in Europe, our brothers and sisters in the Caribbean, Australia, Canada, Central South America, they donate as much as the American African community does. We are truly a pan-African school. So with that being said, so let's fast forward. Let's say school's open. How do you think that's going to look when, you know, enrollment? Who do you think is going to be moving to be enrolled into your school the fastest? Well, I'll tell you like this. We already got 3,500 resumes. Wow. Okay. From around the world. 3,500 resumes. I have not started taking parent applications because I don't want to get people excited and we're not ready yet. Right. But because I was because I am blessed to be who I am, the most popular, or should I say, famous and infamous. I'm the most loved and the most hated. In case you don't know, you know most people focus on the hate, right? Right. But I'm the most loved too. Right. I'm, I'm the most requested black scholar in the world. I'm the most known, notable Pan Africanist in the world. I'm the most popular black consciousness speaker in the world. I'm the most requested scholar. I've already said that. I'm the most interviewed. I have more one million view videos than every other person in the conscious community put together. All of them, put, you can put them all together, add up all their views from all their videos, mm-hmm. and they don't even touch me. All of them, everybody. I'm, not, I'm leaving nobody out, elders included. They can't touch me. You see, so I'm on an island by myself. And because of that, 
you know, and, and, and let me say this. I got lucky because I'm in a career that is so critical to the destiny of our children, and that's psychology and education. You, you understand? So I benefit from the fact that my life's work is something that is relevant, whether you're in the conscious community or just the regular black community. And so because of that, my brother, the question, because people ask me, they say, how are you going to get students for your school? Are you crazy? I'm Dr. Umar Johnson. I don't have to recruit nobody. I'm going to have a waiting list down the street and around the corner. And what I love about where we are, my brother, what I love about where we are in Wilmington, Delaware, we are at the border, the intersection of southern Pennsylvania, southern New Jersey, and northern Maryland. Pennsylvania is 10 minutes from the school. Jersey is 10 minutes from the school. Maryland is 10 minutes from the school. Oh, so that's that means we will, right. that means we will be the only independent school, black school, that can service black boys in four states. No other independent school in the country services black boys in four states. We're going to have eight buses, my brother, a bus from Baltimore, Maryland, every day, because that's the city from which Frederick Douglass escapes, a bus from the eastern shore of Maryland every day, because that's from where our ancestors uh, come. As you know, Frederick Douglass and my four times great grand, Stephen Henry Valley, they grew up together on Tuckahoe Creek. In fact, cousin Stephen, if you've ever read the narrative of the life of Frederick Douglass, he talks about growing up with cousin Stephen. That's my four times great grandfather, Civil War veteran. Okay. So we're going to have a bus come from Eastern Shore. A bus is going to come from Trenton, New Jersey. A bus is going to come from Camden, New Jersey. Uh, a bus is going to come from Dover, Delaware, Wilmington, Delaware, Chester, Pennsylvania, where Dr. King earned his seminary degree in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Eight buses. Uh, you just got to get your child to the bus stop. And uh, we're going to be servicing black boys from four states. Yeah. So, Gonna be nothing like it, my brother. So when, we, when we open, when we open, we gonna hurt him. That's all I can say. Yeah. When I, we open, it's gonna be hell to pay because we. I'm telling you, I, I don't even want to share everything we got, but I, my brother is gonna be a sight okay. to see. It's yeah. gonna be a sight to see. That answer, this this brother had asked the question. Well, since it was in Delaware, you 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 answered his question that on the screen. <laughs> really? Okay. School is in the second that. smallest state. I'm yeah. presuming the black population is very very small. And the nation is low when it comes to black educators. Would that be a challenge? Yeah. It will not be a challenge yeah. because you just said the nation. I'm not dealing with the nation. I'm a right. Pan-Africanist, my brother. My right. teachers are going to come from all over the world. I'm not limited to no FBA or ADOS. I'm not into that. I am an African. And right. so my school will be staffed by Africans. The people who are the best suited to do the job will get the job. So this is not – FDMG is not a black American school. school. Black boys from all over the world can come. If their parents want to move to Philadelphia, excuse me, move to uh, the Quad State area and have them attend our school, so we're not limited. Yeah, you you you, you wouldn't. I don't, as far as students, I would have to say you wouldn't be limited because Camden and the other place, um, Trenton, uh, Trenton, those are Camden. highly populated. Uh, oh, absolutely. Philadelphia, the yeah. sixth largest city. Yeah, so Philadelphia, the sixth largest. Baltimore is one of your densest black. There's no issue with student enrollment. That that right. that I don't even think about that. Like that's 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 no issue at all. And there's a lot of it people. would be for the average person, but it wouldn't be because of who you know, who the people have made me to be. You know, the love and the support that I get, the following. Man, when I'm at the school people stop all day long, brother. You should see it. They stop all day long, pulling over. When is the school gonna be ready? I got four or five boys. I can't tell you how many people said they move into Delaware once the school ready. 
You know, I got people already who have relocated. That's going to change the economy there. That's going to change the economy. You know, know, I can see once the school is open, businesses building themselves around that, you know, trying to. They already doing it, bro. They gentrifying right now because of us. Right, right. People buying property all around the school. You can see them. Uh, Houses that was abandoned is now redone from the ground up because they anticipated the influx of black folks who are going to want to be a part of the FDMG movement. Because it's not just the school, my brother. We educating by day, but by night it's a community organizing headquarters. We having comp- two conferences a month, Black Women's Conference, Black Men Conference, Ex-Defenders, Investors Conference, Black Media Conference, Black Youth Conference. And all that's going on at the, uh, at, 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 oh. at the facilities there? Absolutely. Remember, we got four buildings, my brother. Wow. Four buildings. Okay. Two schools. It's a camp. Two schools. Okay. And two gyms. We're the only independent black school in the country with two schools and two gyms. Nobody else got that. The whole block is out. We bought the whole block. We are Black Wall Street. Someone was asking about uh, they needed information about your parent boot camp. In yes, the black parent boot camp. Let me speak to that. I have a training that I do. I don't do it often because it takes a lot of energy and a lot of time. And it's called the black parent boot camp. It's 12 hours long, from 8 in the morning until 8 at night, 12 hours. We do stop for lunch. We do take breaks. Parents on how to be an advocate for their children or how to go into business as a professional parent advocate themselves. So for those 12 hours, you learn the disabilities, special ed disabilities. You learn the mental disorders. You learn how to write letters. You know the federal special ed amendments. You know the federal laws that control the schools. 504, IEP, psychological evaluation, how to read the evaluation, how to understand test scores, behavior modification, ADHD, psychiatric mess. I literally give you everything in this book and so much more okay. in those 12 hours. And my next boot camp, my, my next boot camp is going to be in Philadelphia on Saturday, November the 19th. Philadelphia, Saturday, Saturday November the, November the 19th in Philadelphia. Facebook. And it's a national invitation training. Okay. Your boot camp is for any parent who wants to come. You can come from California, Texas, Jersey, Maryland. It don't matter. It's just held in Philadelphia. And you don't have to be a parent. If you just want to learn the laws and learn how to advocate for children, college students can come. Young adults can come. You don't have to be a parent. It's for anybody who cares about saving our children. And it's going to be held on Saturday, November the 19th. And that's going to be at Connections Training Services in Philadelphia, 2243 West Allegheny Avenue, 2243 West Allegheny Avenue. The deadline for registration is November the 1st. It's $100 per attendee. That's your information. That's your lunch. That's the entire training. It's $100, non-refundable. You can pay that with Cash App, dollar sign Dr. Umar Johnson. You can pay on the PayPal. Umar, the psychologist. You can pay with Zelle using my cell phone number, 215-989-9858. You can also text me at that same number, 215-989-9858, and I will text you the link if you want to pay by link. Okay, but we're going to have fun. It's fun. The last one I did, my brother, was in Boston in the spring of uh, 2021, and we had a lot of fun. We always have fun. I did it in New York. We've done one in Jersey. We did it in California. 
We did it in D.C. We did it in New Orleans. We've only had about six of them. It's the seventh one. Uh, but it's a lot of fun. It's very entertaining. But you learn everything you need to learn to walk into these schools like a soldier and protect your child. Now, now that we're on that topic, I was reading one of your ch- chapters about 504 plan and the, the difference to IEP. Let me start with this. When I was in high school, you know, I didn't get, you know, I went to a high school outside of the neighborhood. It was Chelsea Vocational mm-hmm. in New York City down in, in near Soho. <laughs> Right, and my first, I was a freshman, and I was very short. I was small, so everybody used to try to bully me and pick. They call it bullying. We call it picked on you back then, right? Yes, sir. Yes, but sir. I was raised in best style, so I wasn't having it. So I would get into fights all the time. I was fighting pretty much almost damn near every day with somebody trying to uh-huh. take advantage of me. So, so that what that meant was they would call my parents. They had to come to the school. So, long story short. They tried to, they advocated for me getting into a special education program because I couldn't get along with anybody, right? And they mm-hmm. told my mother, what you talk about in this book, that, you know, I took all of these tests and all of this stuff, and at the end of this test, and it, my father wasn't there, he was working, because I think if my father wasn't there, he wasn't going to have it. He was going to have yes, it. Sir, yes, sir. But she signed off on it, right? And it was like my, towards the end of my freshman year, this happened where they put, I was still keeping the same classes, but I had this extra class where I sat in there with a bunch of kids that really had some problems. Right. And they wasn't doing anything in this class. So when I went to the new school that was in my neighborhood, they said, well, mm-hmm. you slated a special education, but they looked at right. my grades, my, my grades and my test scores. It's like, it is no way you should be in this. But they said, after the right. semester, we pulling you out. These were the sisters. The sisters saw this. She was like, this is ridiculous that they got you in this. You, you're, you, you, you're in, uh, you, your score is a college level score. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're trying to say you're this. And so I had to sit out of, you know, my 10th grade year, I had to sit out of a semester in, in that program, and then they pulled me out, and then I went into on to regular, uh, where they put me in honors, biology. I had two periods of biology, labs. I was in the college prep courses. That's what they had me in after that. But I say all this to say that schools will deliberately, even if you're intelligent, try to push you into special education. Some, they'll find a way to put you in that. So when I saw the 504 and the IEP thing, that's kind of relates to what I dealt with uh, when I was in school. So, so absolutely. It's, a, it's about money, my brother. Special ed is the modern-day slave trade. Right. You know, just like when they were snatching us up on the shores of Africa, my brother, for money, they snatched us up on the shores of public school for money. Every black boy is a potential special ed victim because the school is always looking for a way to increase the amount of money in their budget. And special education is a guaranteed form of income. The minute that boy's name goes into the computer, mm-hmm. by the end of the month, that school district is going to get a special ed check for that child. Wow. You follow, and it's, it's about the money. It's not about helping nobody. That's why we go in and we never come out. They say, why my child still in special ed? Because they getting paid. Right. And it took special somebody ed is the biggest really racket to get ever. me out of it. It was somebody who looked at it and said, no. Nah. And, and it was, I remember the woman who, who, who got me out of it. When she saw the score, she said, 
it is no way scores that you need to be here. Well, they also use it for a behavioral trash can for the black boys. They don't want that's to what it was. If that was because I, I was. It wasn't like I was having problems with the teachers. I was having problems with other students. You know, they would try me. Right. Behavioral me. trash can. Right. And now here's the thing about it. Ironically, I would say most black boys are in special ed for behavior. And guess right. what? It's illegal because special ed is for learning problems, not behavior problems. Right. Special ed is for learning problems. If you can learn in the regular class, right. you cannot have an IEP. You can't. Right. If you ADHD and you can learn in the regular class, you cannot have an IEP. If you are uh, emotionally disturbed or autistic, but you can learn and do as well as the other kids, you have no business in the special ed program. But most black parents do not know that. And that's why my crusade is as important as it is. You know, that, that's why I do these boot camps, yeah. my brother. Right. But you know what? I'll tell you this, though. It's a bittersweet. It's a bittersweet agenda as soon as i think i'm making an impact i'll get a phone call from a parent like this morning i had the black parent teleconference i did it on tiktok and facebook simultaneously from 6 a.m until 9 a.m this morning and if anybody wants to see that conversation they could go to my facebook and watch the whole three-hour black parent teleconference i did this morning but you know you'll get parents who still making some of the same ridiculous mistakes that you've been preaching against for 25 years. And I'm like, I've been doing this for 25 years. Why y'all still testing five-year-olds for special ed? Why y'all still putting six-year-olds on psychiatric medication? Why you still got seven-year-olds being diagnosed as intellectually disabled? They're too young. Can't nobody tell you your five-year-old is retarded? What's wrong with you? You don't give permission for them to label a kid that young. And the reason they want to label them that young is they want to get the money started as soon as possible. The younger he is, the more money comes to the district. Mm. So it's just uh, educational uh, homicide. That's what's going on. Killing them That's when he's young. That's exactly what it is. He will not function. By the time he get to high school, he might not. He, he's not going to finish. But he's not going to finish because the stigmatization of special ed is so heavy on a child. You know, the mm-hmm. bully, the special ed bullying by the kids who are regular, you know, they pick on you so bad you don't even want to show your face in school. And by the time you get to high school or middle school, you are so far behind the regular kids that now you not only have an academic barrier, you have an emotional barrier to go into school. Special ed is the school-to-prison pipeline. When I speak in prisons, right, I always ask the men, raise your hand if you were a special ed student. Do you realize then that everybody in the jail was a special ed student? That's how they ended up in jail. Because they were in special ed. I'm telling these parents, if you knew the percentage of black men in prison who had an IEP, you would never sentence your child to special education. And it's all by consent, so they don't have to do this. It's all by consent, my brother, which is why I get so upset when parents say things like, they put my child in special ed. No, they didn't. No, they didn't. You had to sign your name four times before your child get put in special ed. You got to sign permission to get evaluated by me, the school psychologist. You got to sign agreement with my psychological evaluation. You have to sign agreement with the IEP, and you have to sign the special ed service agreement. Your name was signed four times before your child was taken out the regular classroom. Stop saying what they did and start saying what y'all did. 
That that's another issue. We don't read. We don't care to uh, investigate what someone is telling us about. You know, hey, well, you need to do this, and and we rely on a system. I that baffles me when we rely on a system has never done us any good. To be it's like with us. It's like we walk into these schools, my brother, and I'm watching black parents. They walk into these schools, and it's like they under a, a hypnosis of white expertise. Mm-hmm. You know, soon they walk in there, the white folks, they don't question or right. nothing. Yeah. I'm sitting there like, you didn't ask them one question about your child. They said he need to get tested, and you signed off. You didn't ask a question. You didn't say, was this good or bad, side effects, can I change my mind? You know, what's the worst that can happen? I mean, just we, we walk in there and we are under a hypnosis of white supremacy in them schools. I'm telling you, brother, I'm sitting there like, why did you sign that? Because they asked me to. Right. Just so, but at the same time, you say people ask you a million and one question. And yeah, oh, that man. You say. Listen, brother, when I evaluate black children, not all the time, but I've had some black parents put me through the ringer about my evaluation. You know what I, you know what I used to get from black parents? They would say, why is your evaluation only nine pages? The white psychologist gave me an evaluation that was 30 pages. And you know what I told him? I said, let me tell you what you don't understand. You don't understand quality over quantity. That's number one. Right. His evaluation is 30 pages full of lies and bullshit. Right. My evaluation is nine pages of the truth. It don't matter how long it is. The length of an evaluation does not speak to the quality of an eval. But here's the biggest part, my brother, that they don't know. Whenever you get a report from a psychologist that's 30 pages or longer, whether it was completed by a computer program or by a human being, you know in psychology we have computer programs where all we got to do is put the IQ scores in the computer program, put the reading scores, the math, put it all in there, my brother, in the computer program will write the report. It will print out a report for that child. Mm. Now, you may ask the question, Dr. Umar, what's wrong with that? I mean, if you put the scores in and the computer program come up with a 35, 45, 55-page report, what's wrong with that? You know what's wrong with that? Did the computer program observe the child? Did the computer program interview the mother? Did the computer program observe the child in the classroom? Did the computer program look at the test scores, the suspension records, the absentees? Does the computer program take into account that his father just got locked up or his grandmama just died or he's been out of school for a whole year? Does the computer program get to evaluate all of the factors that are relevant for this child as it relates to this problem? Absolutely not. So you know what the computer program is likely to give you with with its 45-page report? A misdiagnosis and a false recommendation. And these black parents are so impressed with white people. They're so impressed with white folks that they think the 55-page computer program is better than the nine pages of truth that was written by somebody who actually saw your child, understands your child, and knows your child. Of course I could do a computer program report, but I love our kids too much to play them like that. And these white psychologists know black parents don't know nothing, so they'll go and produce the computer program, and black parents think they're the best psychologists of all time. Mm, mm, mm. That's, that's called, um, what do you call, living in an illusionary reality. 
Oh, brother, brother. <laughs> that's what that's called. <laughs> because when, when it, what I've learned was up is down and what's down is up when it comes to how this system was, plays out. So, uh, and I and I, I know what you're talking about because I deal with that. You know, I help people on certain things. And I, listen, if it's more than one or two pages, it, it, it's junk. It's junk. It's if it's junk. more than this, it don't take me a long time to make my point. Just say, this Thank is you. what it is. This is what we need to do. Thank you. And, no, I want this. This guy's giving me 20, 30 things. That's okay. Let me read that. That's and and guess what? They're not even going to read the 45 pages right. anyway. No. They're not even going to read it. No. It just looks better. To they ain't even read the nine pages you gave them. <laughs> <laughs> it just, My brother. That, that, oh, that, man. That, that, we, uh, we, and I'm going to tell you like this. When the school opens. Yeah. And this is something I'm not looking forward to. I'm not looking forward to this. Right. But when the school opens, my brother, I'm going to have to disinvite some students because their parents are going to be so Negro right? that I'm not going to be able to tolerate it. And a lot of the parents are going to have trouble understanding mm-hmm. that we are not a public school or a charter school. We are private. We're independent. We do They're not the going to be able want. to adjust right. because you know what? We're so used to being able to do what? Go tell the white man on the black man. We're used to doing that. I'm going to go tell the superintendent on you. I'm going to go tell the regional super. I ain't got no superintendent. I'm the damn superintendent. Right. I ain't got no. You, you can't tell on me. We private. You don't have politics to play. Yes. Right. right. And they're, and, and they're going to have a problem accepting the fact that the board of trustees for the SDMG Academy are the final word on what right. goes on in this right. school, not the Wilmington Public School or Delaware State Department of Education. Right. And a lot of them are not going to be able to deal with the fact that black people have the final say in this school. And if you can't follow the rules, your child will have to leave. Right. They're not going to be able to tolerate accountability. Thank you. From a black person. Right. From a black person. Right. Like, for example, the tuition. And I want your listeners to notice up front in case any of them plan on sending their children to the school. Our tuition will be structured like college. And what I mean by that, my brother, is you pay for the fall semester in the summer, pay for the spring semester during the winter. Right. Okay. That's for the first year. Once you get through the first year, you can now break it down to four payments. And then once you get to the third year, we will consider you on a month-to-month tuition. But starting off, you do not get a month-to-month tuition. You have to earn the month-to-month tuition. Right. So it's going to be fall tuition, spring tuition, two payments for the year. Wait, wait, a, why did you come up with that 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 uh, structure? Because I have seen so many independent black schools, my brother, go bottom up by being too generous to black parents. You hear what I'm telling you, brother? Right. I have no, I seen schools. De- I've it. seen black schools destroy themselves by going out of the way. You can't do that with our people because we don't respect each other enough to not take advantage of each other. The minute I tell one mother, this is how this goes, my brother, a mother pulls me to the side. Dr. Umar, I'm having a really hard time this month with the money. I cannot pay Raheem's tuition this month. Can I double up next month? And once I tell her yes, do you know what's going to happen? going to continue. She's going to tell other parents. Even though I'm going to make her promise to keep your damn mouth shut, she's going to tell other parents. 
And the next thing you know, every parent is expecting to pay the, the tuition late because one parent keep her, can keep her mouth shut. Brother, I work too hard to get to school. I'll be damned if I'm going to let my own people tear it down. If you cannot pay the tuition, do not sign your child up. I'm going to tell parents, if you cannot, and, and, and you know they're going to have every excuse, but right. you don't have no excuse to get your hair done. You ain't got no excuse to pay them cell phones. You ain't got no excuse for that cable bill, for them Ed Jordans, for that Louis Vuitton bag, for that blonde wig on your damn head. <laughs> if, you, if you cannot pay the tuition, send them to charter school. Send them to public school. That's, what, that's another reason why I'm doing a semester, my brother. You know why? Because if I have to disinvite a student, I don't want to do it during the school year. Right. You follow me? I want to do it during the natural break of the year versus a month-to-month where you got to disinvite a child during the school year. I don't want to do that. This way, if we didn't get the tuition by January, we know he ain't showing up because you've been told he cannot return. And that's going to hurt me to do that. But guess what? If I'm not strict with the money, my brother, my school will be out of business in a year. We'll be done in a year. The minute we start cutting deals with parents, can I do that? Oh, what the, oh, what the hell? These these Negro pants, they can't help it. It's been all night. I've been dealing with it. Now I can't even get it but off. But see, they are the reason we need independent schools, my brother, because the topic as serious as this is a joke to them. Yeah. That's what Negroes do. They cannot be serious. Every time I try to block it, it give me an error <laughs> off the, the the chat. And it's been happening all night since I had you on. All oh, night. I'm sure. Well, you know, they get excited when I'm coming on. They're like, here you come. <laughs> I've never had this before. but They I, get their popcorn. I, they get everything out. I expected that that would happen. Oh, trying to, it won't, it won't come off now. I'm saying error. So that that got to be somebody internally blocking it from being taken down. That's the, okay. Wow. That's wow. Internal. Wow. That, that, that's a that's a uh, 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 someone who run those back back who's doing that. Right. But right. That's how you know you're talking real talk when you get yes, stuff sir. like this because they ain't gonna go they don't go on the mother sites when they just talking negative stuff and put nah nah. That. Nah, and if we was white, they wouldn't even bother doing it to us. No, you know, it's just all night. It's been that same adult site, whatever that crap is. But, um, all right, uh, man, I think I talked about everything I wanted to talk about. Oh, yeah, one one last thing. Rap music that we got going on today. It should be banned. It should be banned. That's what you said. It should be banned. And I agree. Not the positive hip-hop, but the gangster rap. We are literally, literally black males Mm -hmm. participating in the destruction of our own public image and the genocide of our community. We are literally advertising it. We are celebrating it. We are promoting it. We are participating in it. And the only excuse that I'm hearing for why we still need to support gangster rap is that it employs people so they can take care of their families. Are you kidding me? So you're telling me just because a couple hundred Negroes can pay their bills because of gangster rap, 
we should allow it to continue to brainwash our children and bring down the quality of life in our community and misrepresent us to the entire world? Do you realize gangster rap has created such an image of black men that when you travel around the world as a black man, people expect you to uh, have marijuana, smoke it. They expect you to sell drugs. They expect you to want to sleep with every woman. They expect you to have no discipline. They expect you to be interested in killing other black males. That is what hip-hop has done for us. Gangster rap has done more to destroy the public image of black men than American media has. Yes, I agree because uh, and it, it, it's and, I, and it's only in our music. You know, nobody you know, else because no one else is no other other cultures got aggressive aspects in their music, but no other culture pushes a steady diet of self-inflicted genocide the way that we do. Right. No other culture does that. Constant misogyny against its own women. No other culture does that. No other culture right. does that. Yeah, it is no. despicable. It is asinine. And the only reason why we allow it to happen is because the rappers got money and they pay everybody off. You know, they 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 they, they pay for the basketball court. You know, they pay for the block party. They give some money to the church. And because they grease a couple palms, everybody just shut up and get quiet because, after all, he did make it. He did make what? Make what? Yeah. Into Holly Weird so he can promote negativism against his own people, and we call that a success story. We've gotten to the point where if white people approve you, black people must automatically go along with it. That's where we are now. That's where we are now. It says you're okay, black people have no right to disagree with it. That's why Barack Obama is still a hero, although he's done nothing measurable for black America. He's a hero because the white power structure made him a president. And since he got accepted by white folks, he must be accepted by black folks. Same thing with gangster rap, same thing with transgenderism, same thing with everything. Even if it's not in the best interest of the community, if white folks say it's okay, black people must follow suit. Right. Um, uh, I had a thought on that. With, when it comes to the degradation of our women, and and I can see how the sisters will look at us crazy because you know, we're not protecting them. We're not. We're, we're not. We're not. We're not protecting them <laughs> from them. We are like okay, yeah. We got the music, and that's degrading the women. But who's standing up to say shut it down? A few voices here and there. People like you. Uh, who's really coming out and say, hey, we need to stop this? Because you would not see that in a Jewish community. They won't allow Oh, hell no. Music, music to come. Hell no. Talk about their women like that. You won't see that in Italian or any other community. You won't see Man, that. You ain't going to see that nowhere but amongst us. And, 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 and we go to parties and we dance to this stuff. Oh, yep. and, and this is what we say, what I hear people say. Oh, I just like the beat. But that those words are going into your subconscious. And it's oh, going to affect you. Whether or you get these black men who say, I don't hide hip-hop from my son. I let him listen to everything. Excuse me. So you think it's a good thing that you let your 10-year-old get programmed with all this negative content. You think that's a good Planting all these foul seeds in that boy's unconscious mind that you will not be able to outroot later. We are sick. We are sick. And it all goes back to what? We do not have any faith in our future to survive as an independent people. Let me say it again. We do not have any faith in our future to survive as an independent people. 
That is the core source of the problem. We do not believe that black people can win. That's why we sell out. That's why we marry white girls. That's why we abandon the community. That's why we promote gangster rap. That's why we support the destruction of the black family. That's why we okay with men becoming women and women becoming men. Because at the end of the day, why do we need to save something that is not going to win out in the end? With that type of uh, outlook, how do you keep going? Three things. Number one, I was born to do what I do. I believe I was born to do what I do. I came to black consciousness in elementary school. I've never left it. You know, like Nat Turner, you know, I was born on the day the Nat Turner War began, August the 21st. You know, Nat Turner didn't look at the odds against him. Nat Turner didn't care whether he was successful or not. Nat Turner had a job to do, and he did it, and that's the way I approach my life. It's not for me to judge whether or not I'm wasting my time. It's not for me to judge whether or not I'm going to be successful. I totally believe that we have to do the work and leave the final decisions to God. You know, uh, none of us know how long we're going to be here. None of us know what our impact is ultimately going to be during our life. We just have to do the best that we can with what we have. So whether I win or lose, I'm content that I gave it my best. You know, yesterday was October the 10th. That's the day that Gabriel Prosser was hanged. You know, Gabriel Prosser was the 24-year-old brother, I believe he was, from Richmond, Virginia, who organized the largest black enslaved African rebellion up until that time, which was supposed to take part in um, the last day of August, I believe, in um, 1800. And um, he was snitched out by two Negroes, and he was hanged um, eight days after Nat Turner was born on yesterday, October the 10th, 1800, that's 222 years ago, and his brother was killed before he could even get the slave revolt off the ground. Denmark Vesey in South Carolina, you know, a few years later, uh, 1822, uh, I think it was, he was snitched out by some Negro pins, and he was hanged, you know. But you look at the Haitian Revolution with Sassant and Dessaline. Sassant was captured and killed, but Dessaline won, but then he was ultimately assassinated too while in office as Haiti's first emperor. So we just don't know. You look at Harriet Tubman and the dangerous job she did, but she lived to be almost 100 years old. You just don't know who's going to die young and who's going to live old. You can't be concerned about it. You just got to do the work. You know, I believe that there is a destiny for black people that is much greater than what we see, but we have to do the work. One of the issues I have with religion, my brother, is religion has made us politically lazy. Religion got black people thinking all you got to do is believe in God and God is going to do the work for you. I totally disagree with that narrative. God works through you, not for you. If you don't do no work, God ain't going to do no work because you are the agency through which God works. So if you're just going to sit around waiting for God and Jesus and Muhammad to come do the work, nothing's going to get done. You know, but I do believe we are meant to go back to the throne. I believe African people globally are meant to go back to the throne, but we got to do the work. You know, and I'm just trying to do my small part. You know, my my contribution to the global pan-African revolutionary struggle is to become the first superintendent of a truly global Pan-African school district. Once we open up the school in Wilmington, we want to put them all over America, all over Africa, all over Central South America, Canada, Europe, Asia, the Caribbean, South Pacific. I want SDMGs all over the world. That's what I'm working to. Change the educational paradigm for black children forever before the ancestors call me back home. So this school is for boys. 
Black boys. Yes, only. and then we will extend it to girls also. Okay. All right. Not and in the I'm beginning. Sure. In the beginning, it's all about the boys. But because we have two schools, and I've always envisioned a princess academy, we will extend to the girls, hopefully within five years of operation. Right. Have you gotten any pushback because, oh, why, why are you not including the girls? And, and, and Oh, all the that? time. But what I tell black women simply is, by taking care of the boys, I'm automatically taking care of the girls. What is your biggest concern about your daughter? Not no, being man, able to find a good husband. Yeah, right, right. You, you follow me? That's the black woman's biggest concern about her daughter. Will I be able to find a good man for my child? Well, guess what? You'll be able to come to the Frederick Bellas Marcus Garvey Academy and find a husband for your daughter. So by taking care of our boys, we automatically taking care of our girls. That's the way we see it. Mm-hmm. So how do we, you know, I, you know, we got a mindset here. We, you know, where a lot of the sisters are feeling like they they they've done and they don't need a man. You know, that's uh, that's that is idea. really a that is really the trauma and the pain of the black woman speaking, not her reality. Right. There's not a woman on the planet who doesn't want a man. And there's not a black woman who don't want a black man. Do you understand? But because we have not taken care of her, we have not looked out for her, we have not honored her, she raises all the children by herself, and we still find time to criticize and condemn her. So I understand the black woman's pain and her rage, and I apologize to the black woman on behalf of how many brothers have mistreated, used, abused, exploited, and abandoned them. But it's not all brothers who have done this. And it's not all black women who are innocent either. You have black women who have kept men away from their children. You have black women who have ran away from the men who tried to help them and stand by their side. So sisters are not totally innocent in all this, you know, but I do understand where they're coming from. And I think that we as black men can repair. We can repair the mistrust that black women have developed for us by getting back on our square and handling business as men, which is to say, we will never get the black woman's respect as long as we keep on letting black boys terrorize the black community. We'll never get the black woman's respect as long as we keep on leaving our sisters to raise sons all by themselves. We'll never get the black woman's respect as long as we keep allowing police to kill men, women, elders, pregnant women. The white police are just running roughshod all over the black community, and we have yet to stand up collectively as men to push back against that. So if we want our women to honor us, we have to honor them by respecting and protecting them. Okay. Well said. All right, man, we've been talking for a minute here. We, I guess we could talk all night, but I don't want to take up any more of your time. Um, <laughs> no problem. we got other things to do. And I appreciate you coming on once again, Dr. Wumar. Get the no book. Problem. I already have this book. Uh, if you want to share yes, that other uh, book again. Black Parent Advocate. Also, yeah. if you've never been to Nat Turner Land, Join us in Nat Turner Land on November the 11th, which is the 191st memorial of Nat Turner's hanging. Go through the Nat Turner tour so you can relive the legacy of the greatest revolutionary to walk on American soil. That's November the 11th. You can go to natturnerlibrary.com and get your tickets, natturnerlibrary.com. And then the very next Saturday, join me in Philadelphia for the Black Parrot Boot Camp Conference all day, 8 to 8. If you can't stay 12 hours, that's perfectly fine. If you only want to stay four hours, if you want to do six hours, if you want to do eight hours, if you want to do 10 hours, that's up to you. But I will be there the whole 12 hours for parents who don't want to miss anything and get the full training. The lunch will be catered 
The refreshments will be catered. We're going to have a great time together learning in Philly. The deadline is November 1st. Okay, so please make sure you make your $100 payment before then, and you can text message me for the flyer so you can share the flyer and promote the flyer. I would greatly appreciate that because there are many parents who need to be there to get this information. Again, my cell number, 215-989-9858, 215-989-9858. And don't forget to donate on your cash app to the school, dollar sign SDMG school. I repeat, dollar sign SDMG school or on your PayPal, SDMG Academy. Let me uh, add, I'm, I'm going to add your, your website to the stream so they can see it. This is the yes. website there. Um, where's the, uh, you had donate, here's the donate button right there at the top right. Yes, sir. And everything you need to know is right here. Uh, the membership of, yeah, I would love to do what you did on, you said November the 11th, I'm going to be in Vegas <laughs> doing a All seminar right. that day on November 11th, like, no, November the 12th, I'll be doing a seminar, I have to fly out on, got you, got you, yeah, so, yeah, uh, so once again, thanks for joining me, taking your time no out, problem, uh, this year about the school, um, I know it's going to be a success once it opens. Is one of just keep your head up because I know the type of uh, issues you're running into trying to get people to do the work. Just on a small scale, we're trying to get people to do work at our house. And that's a challenge. Took us two years to even get started. Two years, brother. Brother, <laughs> I know what you're talking. Now, when you say that, right? <laughs> right. When you say it took two years. Yes. To people who have not been through this. Right. They would say no way. It's two no way. Years. But for somebody who's been waiting three years, yeah. we waited three years for the yeah. right people. Right. Right. And couldn't get nowhere. Oh, you have to go through this yes. to understand the kind of conversation. But the problem is we're being criticized by people who have never built anything right. in their life. Right. Never tried to create any institution for the community right. and they're trying to lay criticism to something they don't understand right. and never been a part of. It, well, let's just break that down if you got the time, because I want to break it so sure. people can really hear how this works. You have to get, like, in our situation, we have a handicapped son, and we're trying yes, to make the house accessible. Of course, the insurance takes care of all of that, but you got to get three quotes. <laughs> you yeah. have to, then once they, they you, you know, we had probably about three or four people who promised that they would do the work, and then they just disappeared. Bingo, brother. And then we Talk got, to the and then all of the quotes that we got are old, so we got to get new ones. So it's like every time someone fall off, you got to start all over again. Yes, sir. And once you do get somebody that you think is going to work out, you're basically at their beck and call because you know how difficult it is to get somebody on the hook to even try to help you. So it's, it's two years it taken to get the work started. The work has started. Thank, thankfully, it has started. But it's now that's the other challenge, keeping them focused and finishing the work. You see what I'm saying? So, right. and I'm just talking about a house, a residential house. You're talking about a commercial building where yes, you got to deal with codes, building codes. Oh, things, man. Things, oh, it, brother. Uh, you got to deal with. We had to get the engineering plans. Right. Oh. And you got to send those plans to the county to look at yes. those people. Yeah. Then they, you got to sit around and play the waiting game. Right. Like they review with a and Right. Uh, see, 
that did could take a year. Just that. Yes. That, that took right a year. That took, took a year. year. See? I know you pay. So people don't understand <laughs> that. So they're speaking. Yeah, well, oh, yeah. Yeah. These are Where the school at? Why the school ain't open right? yet? Yeah, yeah. They, they don't understand the, the, the world of how this, this stuff works. You got after red tape that you got to get over just before you even do any work. Yes, sir. They got to have insurance. Yes, sir, you got to be bonded. You got, it's, the list goes on and on and on. And then, like you said, if you get people, you give them a deposit, they take your money and run with it. Now, okay, you can sue them, but are you going to really get the money back? Do you exactly. Have the time? Do you have the exactly. time to sue them? When in court, but you don't get no money back. Right. <laughs> you get a judgment, but that doesn't mean you get the money. But anyway, exactly. bro. All right. Good to see you again. Keep holding. Keep, keep pushing forward. Uh, I will be in touch with you because I, I definitely want to get involved and help you. Get yes, you know, sir. Whatever yes, I sir. can. Uh, Appreciate so, you. All right, man. You have a good night, and thanks for joining Okay, King. Be safe, bro. All right. Thank you. All right, everybody. That was Dr. Umar. I gotta, I'm going to have to take this video down from being public and then re-edit it and take out that adult crap that they kept putting up. But y'all have a good night. Peace.